Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Today on Life in 22 Minutes, my co-host and handsome husband, Scott McIntosh. Welcome to our show, The Memory Guy, Bob Cattell. Bob has spoken in front of millions, including presidents of the United States, NFL teams, schools, big corporations, and dignitaries about memory. And today he will share key tips to improving your memory, along with inspiring stories that will lift your spirits and make you smile in only 22 minutes. What did, what did you say his name was? Bob I've, I've forgotten already. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. The memory guy. We've got the memory guy here. I, I love his uh, concepts and the things that he teaches. With, uh, without further ado, let's welcome Bob Cattell. Well, thanks, Scott and Becky. It's so good to be welcomed. <laughs> it's always nice to be welcomed, isn't it? So I've seen you speak. I've seen you speak about some very heartfelt um, items, and you've also uh, taught people how to, to memorize. Uh, where do you want to go with this? Well, I think the thing that's really interesting is about uh, five years ago, I really learned something about authenticity and vulnerability. I started down this road where I was massively panicked. In fact, I talk about being up on stage and everything's awesome and people just think I'm, you know, might have the perfect life. And then I have started sharing with them, oh, you know what happened after that? I'd walk off the stage and go into the green room and collapse into these massive panic attacks. And people are just blown away that one that happened to me, somebody who's on stage, and then two, that I'm willing to share that. That's what we love about this program is all about sharing our vulnerability, uh, helping others to get through some of the ugliness in life. And to listen to you speak, to think that you ever had a panic attack because you're so confident, you're so solid in your speech. It, it's, it's heartwarming for people to realize that you're more normal than they think. Well, I learned this from uh, after I got through the panic attacks, I still had this high anxiety. And I kept learning all of these things, tools, and I found out there's a difference between a Band-Aid and a tool. A Band-Aid makes you feel good for a little bit, and then it comes back. And then I found two people who actually taught, gave me a tool or something to actually fix it. And then I didn't need tools anymore because things were better. In fact, uh, one of them, it was really interesting. I just, this anxiety wouldn't go away every morning. Can you imagine waking up every morning and you're highly anxious and you don't even know why? So I went to this one guy and he tells me about how he had overdosed 60 times and how he had one of his crowning moments was being on TV as five police cars chased him and captured him. He went to prison and he's telling me all this. And when he got through, he said, you know what, Bob, there's nothing you can tell me about yourself that will make me judge you and think any less than you. And if he had just opened up his entire life to me, I felt totally safe with him. Do you think it was because he became vulnerable first? What, what gave you that confidence in him? Uh, because he's, he was a rough character, it sounded like. Because what I was feeling from him was not rough. In fact, this is one of the interesting transitions. I sat down with a family that hasn't seen me in five years. And at the end, his, the, the father says, uh, kids, what's different about Bob? And one of the kids said, he's softer. Uh, another friend of mine, I see them every single year when I go to Sacramento. And we, after 90 minutes at dinner, he says to his wife, what's different about Bob? She goes, oh, my gosh, Bob, you made me a nervous wreck. You were like a mosquito on cocaine bouncing all over the place. We, we never had dinner for longer than 20 minutes. We just sat here for 90 minutes, and you're just calm. What's the deal? Are you on drugs or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got to ask you a question. Uh, 
uh, we have a mutual friend, Dr. Paul Jenkins, and he teaches a lot about thinking of the positive in every situation, no matter what. It could be worse, and it could always be, you know, better. Uh, tell us this little story about you in Mexico. Oh, I was, uh, when I first met Dr. Paul, he was one of those, I was in the middle of that anxiety still, and he said, well, and he showed me a model. He says, no matter what's going on in your life, it could be worse, but it could be better. And if we're ever sitting there going, well, it would be better if, it usually makes us feel bad. So I, I practice catching myself every time going, it would be better if, to going, well, you know what, my life rocks. It could be worse. So I'm down in Mexico, and my friend lost control, and he goes off this embankment, and we rolled twice. And I thought I had a broken neck, and they get me out on the, the ground, and I'm laying there. And I actually took my phone, and I started filming myself, and I go, hello, everyone. I'm grateful. Just got my first car accident. We rolled twice. Great fun. Oh, and my phone is bent a little bit. <laughs> so I show this to my audiences now, and they all start laughing. And then I show them another picture of me on a gurney. And I said, you know what's interesting is the, the hospital down in Mexico, their x-ray machine didn't work. So they put me on a gurney and rolled me across the street. Why go around the curb when you can go over the curb? <laughs> so they got stuck there, and they noticed the sun was in my face, and they put a blanket over my face. And I said, don't do that. They'll think I'm dead. And I started laughing. And then this picture shows me pointing up, and I'm laughing hysterically because there were two vultures circling right over my head. <laughs> I thought, this can't be good. But I realized at the end of the day that I'd actually taken my negative bias and turned it into a positive bias. But what was interesting is that was a great tool, and I learned something that I really needed in my life. However, I found that I was waking up now each morning with four hours of anxiety, but at least I was positive while I was anxious. Then I learned about gratitude, and I became an expert on gratitude and learned all about gratitude. And I found out I was a very positive, thankful, anxious person for four hours every day. <laughs> then I learned about the happiness advantage, and I studied happy and power poses and smiling and all of this stuff. And I had a checklist every morning that I would go through things to be grateful, to be positive. And I found out I was the happiest, grateful, positive, anxious person every morning for four hours. <laughs> And then that's where I met James. And he sat there, and I told him this little story, and I showed him my checklist, and he said, close that book, throw it away. I, he said, this is what happens. When something's going on, like you have your anxiety, we try to stay really busy so we don't have to face what's making us anxious. And that doesn't work. Has it worked for you, Bob? My whole life, I've been the mosquito on cocaine, right? Go, 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 go. I said, okay, that's true. He goes, well, then the next thing we do is we go, we just got to reframe. We got to think differently. So we think positive or we think gratitude or we think happy. We try to reframe the situation to try to look at it from a different point of view. It takes a lot of effort. And Bob, that didn't work, did it? And I go, well, you're right, didn't work. Then the third thing we'll try to do is serve enough people. Bob, for the last two years, you've spoken at schools and spoken to everybody in sight and served everyone and you're still anxious. I go, yeah. So I said, what do you got for me? He goes, I'm going to teach you how to get connected with other people and connected with yourself, and it'll all work itself out. Eight months later, he said, you don't need me anymore. And just a few weeks before that, I said, what have you done to me? He goes, what? I said, my brain stopped. It's so quiet in there. The thinking went away unless I need it. He go, I said, what did you do? He goes, I simply taught you how to get connected with others and get connected with yourself. And then I watched the entire world change. Wow. wow, that's a huge paradigm shift. Share what you learned. <laughs> Share those tips. We only What's have 22 big, minutes total. One My heck. Tip? One big tip is uh, we get lost in our thinking. We think that uh, we are our thinking. Instead of understanding, we're the one who's paying attention to our thoughts. So when the thoughts come in, instead of fighting them, it's just observing them. If there's an emotion that comes along with it, I just observe the emotion. I, in fact, today, one of them happened. 
Uh, I was watching the Oscars. Was it the Oscars yesterday? Yeah. Yes. And Warren, they announced the wrong person. They all came up onto stage, and I felt this wave of sadness hit me. And I thought, that's interesting. I feel sadness. And a memory came up when I was in high school where I didn't win an award. And back then, I stuffed it. I didn't face it. I couldn't handle the emotion then. I felt the emotion today, and then it went away. Interesting. Oh, the baby so. bird story? Do we have time for the baby bird <laughs> Let's story? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So here's an example. My daughter made a comment. Dad, do you realize you don't raise baby birds anymore? My whole life, if I saw a baby bird, my life stopped. I had to take care of the baby bird until it flew away one day. I heard one day that uh, if we have an emotional response that's out of proportion to the event, it's probably from something in our childhood. So five years ago, you guys, I had 25 baby birds in my backyard, from ducks to hummingbirds to, I, I, in fact, I had permission to raise a lot of these birds. And uh, my kids, when I was out of town, I'd pay them hundreds of dollars to take care of these birds until I got back from my trip. Well, I found a memory when I was five years old. I saw this little baby bird. And I was trying to teach it how to fly. And it wasn't catching on. And I took the baby bird, five years old, and I threw it at the ground and I killed it. Now, I found that memory many different times. But this time, I went through all the emotions and I felt the pain that five-year-old didn't want to feel that day. And a few years later, I realized, oh, my gosh, I don't take care of baby birds anymore. Wow. There's a lot of lessons to there that. There is. There is. And I'm, I'm uh, I, yeah, my mind was racing of all my baby bird stories. Uh, how did you come to that? That moment where you just said, okay, I don't raise baby birds anymore. My daughter mentioned it to me. I, I hadn't even noticed. I just wasn't raising baby birds for the last five years when I had every single summer my entire life. Another one was in, in this period of time that all this was happening. I was so competitive. If I lost, I was mad. I, was, I could be mad the whole day. In fact, with golf, I would practice hours and hours and hours to get better. And then one day, I didn't care if I played golf anymore. One day, I realized, I don't care if we win or lose. But what happened, the big trigger, I was playing basketball, and one of my friends hip-checked me, and it hurt my neck, and I lost it, and I attacked him. I mean, I wanted to end his life. And everybody pulled me off, and I'm sitting there going, that's interesting. Look how angry I am. Look at all the rage. And I went home, and I sat there with it, and I found these memories of coaches from the past, and one memory after another after another, and I lived through each one of them. And then when I got to the bottom of it, it was just me as a little boy mad at God about something and went through all that emotion and felt it. And from that day forward, I don't care if I win or lose a game. Mm. it's crazy i didn't even know this was possible it's the practicing the mindfulness uh acknowledging the emotion that you're feeling it's just what you're talking about have you have you heard about the mindfulness oh i've been studying yeah. it yeah <laughs> so if you're sitting here and it's quiet and the quiet is bothering you like i used to be terrified of boredom mm -hmm. i couldn't sit with quiet because then stuff starts coming up and that stuff is things that were pushed down years ago so instead of pushing it down anymore, I sit there and go, okay, I'm going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to sit with this stuff. And then eventually it burns off and goes away. That's it. And then you're a different person. By let it rise and let, let it go it instead it of go, yeah. pushing it back down. And instead of damming it up. And by the mm -hmm. way, pushing it back down causes health, health problems, problems. Uh, emotional problems, relationship problems. My, my relationship with many people that I, I, I'll meet somebody for the first time now. And half an hour later, they'll go, I I've just told you things I've never told anybody else before. Everything's different. Uh, I heard you talk about a question that you ask yourself every morning. Oh, whose life can I change today? Yep. Yep. And then I'm mindful and watch for that person. Just last week, I jumped in a cab in Las Vegas, and he took me to the hotel 
found out he was 25 years old, found out that he doesn't really know what direction to go on in his life. He said, I don't have a very good memory. And I said, well, can I share something with you? And I shared with him, and he, he was able to remember 20 items here and at one time. And he looked at me, and he says, you've got to be kidding me. I said, guess what? You have a pretty good memory. And so that was the person that day. Another day, it was a girl on the airplane. I go, oh, you're a student at South Dakota State University. What's your pain when it comes to memory? Oh, I've got to memorize 100 flags of the world. I said, hey, let me show you how to do that 15 seconds each. And many times now, oh, you're suffering this horrible anxiety? I used to have that same problem. Let me share something with you. So there's a whole number of people that they just come into your space now. Just because you asked that question, whose life can I change today? And then you're, you're present. You're looking for opportunities to be able to serve and lift. It's more natural now, but the trigger of that whole thing, is, and it's one of my signature stories, was the time I, uh, for 28 days, I was told I was, had a cancer that was going to kill me in the next year. 28 days later, I found out I was okay. But in the middle of that 28 days, there was a little girl in my neighborhood, 13 years old, going through chemotherapy for a brain tumor. And yet she shows up at my door with a plate of cookies and said, you call me anytime, day or night. I know what you're going through. I know how you feel, and I think I can help. And that's what turned on the light. What am I doing with my life? And the, and the cool part of that story, I, I love that story, is the fact that she didn't know that yours was going to go away, that yours was going to get better, that they had misdiagnosed it or, or whatever the situation was. She was being connected. It's amazing also the, the impact that that's made on the world. I mean, how many tens of thousands of people have I told that story to? I had a lady come up to me after one of the workshops that I spoke at, and she said, I have terminal cancer. I have less than six months to live, but you've just given me great hope for the last six months of my life. She said, thank you. That's when you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, to be on path, to be on path and lifting and motivating others. When I was going through what I was going through, it wasn't, well, you know, you're going to a good place or, you know, you need to look, be positive. Or It was just, hey, we're here for you. So I learned a valuable lesson when somebody's going through a tough time. I'm here for you. And not to give any advice unless asked for. And then actually when people ask for advice, it's to point them in the direction that you already know the answer. Let me show you how to clear your mind so you can be connected and know the answer that you already know. You know, it's really funny. When I started working with my friend that I was telling you about, I went to him and go, I don't know what to do with this relationship. I don't know what to do with my career. I don't know which way to go with all of the different ways that I could speak. And he said, uh, you know, if you take a snow globe, you know, the snow globes, mm -hmm. and you shake it all up, imagine all those little snow things as thoughts. He goes, when it's all shook up like that, he said, can you see clearly? I said, no. He said, right now, is your brain all shook up with thoughts? I go, Yeah. He said, so what always happens after you shake it up if you just put it down and leave it alone? I go, it always gets clear. He said, okay, we'll put all those questions up on the shelf, and let's wait till it gets clear, and you'll know what to do. So eight months later, when I told you, he said to me, you, I, you don't need me anymore, I asked him the question, so what area do you think I ought to go with my speaking? And I stopped, and I go, well, wait a second. I don't need you. Hold on. <laughs> and I sat there, and I started smiling. He goes, what? I said, I don't need to do anything. The seeds have all been implanted and within 30 days, I had more schools and professional speaking. Uh, they just show up everywhere. I just sit there. I'm clear. And I just seem to know what to do or the right person calls me. It's just crazy. It's so counterintuitive. It's all this thing that you should mold your life and you should create this. And, and I go, well, you know what I've been watching my whole life when I stopped and reflected? It's all been unfolding. 
if I'll just get out of my own way, wow, watch what happens. And, uh, and I've heard you speak. I, I've been to uh, one of your conferences that you spoke at, and, and I was just wowed. Uh, the people loved it after the line was lined up to you to, to thank you for for the things that you shared with them. And, and it is. It's powerful. How, how many times uh, did you speak last year? Oh, over 100 times. Over 100 times. All across the nation. Uh-huh. Okay. And In how fact, big- I was thinking one time, my, one of my first years speaking, I spoke 150 cities, and I spoke three one-hour um, presentations in each one of those cities. I mean, that was over 400 presentations in a year, but I didn't do that the next year. I mean, I was shot, but my kids were growing up and they were little and I decided I will, won't be gone more than six days a month. That's it. Then I went down to two days a month. That's it. And then my kids all grew up and I went, geez, what am I going to do now? I'll just go have fun and speak wherever those doors open. And, and, these, and I've seen the pictures of, of these groups that you're speaking to. They're huge. You're speaking to big auditoriums with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people probably. And sometimes I speak to 10 and it's just as fun. Yeah. I spoke to the uh, the chemical engineering uh, association up at BYU. Total blast. Great kids. Or sometimes I speak to a family of eight people. Total blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the one thing I'd love about speaking, I heard somebody say, you know what? When I watched him speak, I thought, what a great speaker. And then I heard somebody else say, when I watched this guy speak, I thought, I'm a great person. And that's the type of speaker I want to be to instill how awesome each person is that when they walk out, they're not thinking about what I am. They're thinking about who they are, that they discover, wow, you know, to just be honest with you, most of the time it was, look at me, I'm the speaker. And um, I was looking for my self-worth by getting something from the audience. And that's, you know, I think you find a lot of performers, that's why they're there. They're, They're driven because something's missing inside. And then one day when they find that part that's missing inside, they're not there for them. They go, I'm here for you. So let me, let me recap just a smidge here. Um, we haven't talked about this part yet. You were a college athlete, uh, played for BYU football. You also cheered uh, for BYU. Is that correct? Yeah, I was on the cheer squad on the football team at the same time. The same I don't time. think that's been repeated since. <laughs> Man of many talents. Yeah, so going from that point... Uh, obviously very competitive to get to there and and now and then you were speaking you were competitive in your speaking you just alluded to and to the point now where it's not about you it's about the people Um, was that all brought to pass by that friend of yours that eight months with him it was the five-year um the five-year experience of going from massive panic to peace Mm. oh so we could conclude with one other little story okay and it's the magical teddy bear story and i found it in a book And here's basically the story. Did you ever have a little teddy bear that made you feel really good? Absolutely. And you just put your arms around it and you just, you seem to feel better, right? Mm -hmm. Let's put the magical teddy bear over there in a chair all by itself. What magical properties are actually coming out of that teddy bear from that cotton and that, that fur? What magical qualities does it really have? Does it really have any? It has none. Great. So where is that wonderful feeling coming from? From inside you. Right. And yet, how many times do people think, I have to feel good based on something out there? So what other magical teddy bears do people have in their lives? A relationship, a club, a car, an activity, thinking that out there is making me feel good inside instead of one day you realize and wake up and go, those feelings, everything is already in me. And that realization just changes everything. Everything resides within you. 
The power is within us to become happy, to realize we are enough. How yeah. about we are happiness, we are peace, we are joy? I love it. From the inside out, not the outside in. That's been one of the big epiphanies. I got another analogy I read from the same guy. A dog's chasing his tail, and he's chasing and chasing and chasing his tail, and he gets frustrated, and he hires a consultant. The consultant says, how can I help you? I need speed. If I can run faster, I can catch that tail, and everything's going to be just fine. Okay, what else? I need to think differently. I'm just getting a little discouraged. What else? Uh, nimbleness. If you could teach me to be a little quicker and nimble, I could catch that tail. Anything else? Yeah, time management. I'm spending 12 hours a day trying to catch that tail. You need to teach me how to... Can I point something out? What is it? It's your tail. Oh, I don't need all those interventions anymore because what I seek, I already am. So being single, I know many people that go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship looking for that to fill inside. And maybe they're in the relationship and they feel it and then it kind of wears off and they blame the other person. You're not making me feel any, feel good anymore. You're not really being a, a magical teddy bear anymore. And so then they go look for someone else or the, you know, they blame the other person for how they're feeling. And you've heard, you know, you make me mad. They're not making you mad. I mean, it's like we hear these things, but we keep forgetting. No, the madness is coming from where? Inside. Why? Well, if it's a negative emotion, it's coming from something we push down that we just don't want to face. You've got so much wisdom and uh, so many stories to share, and, and we appreciate you sharing them with our audience today. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, there's people out there right now who are anxious, and, and they're listening to this, and, and they're paying keen attention, close attention. Like, what did he do? How did we get through this? What's your last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience before we sign off? Oh, what would it be? Always to pause, reflect, connect, and watch for new thought or new inspiration to come. There you go. Thanks for listening and joining us, everybody. Thank you, Bob, for for sharing with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming by. We'll see you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.